August is Breastfeeding Awareness Month, and World Breastfeeding Week is celebrated August 1st through 7th this year. In honor of this special month, I am bringing you the Breastfeeding Series on That's Total Mom Sense. It's a three-part series with leaders in the industry. Some people feel breast is best, and others think fed is best when it comes to their babies. I'm here to be an objective insight for you because in the end, you have to trust your mom sense to do what's best for you and your family. So whether you breastfeed, formula feed, pump, or use donor milk, it's entirely up to you. I want you to know your options, the benefits, hear from medical professionals, public figures, and legal experts on lactation regulations in the workplace, which you can use to your advantage. I hope you feel empowered by the breastfeeding series only on That's Total Mom Sense. Find medical providers who are supportive of your breastfeeding and your feeding journey. The medical providers in your life, whether it's the lactation consultants, your doula, your OBGYN, your pediatrician, they will be the people to support you through all of this. And if you find the right people and you put the right people in place, you're off to a great start. Once you have the right medical providers, get yourself a group of friends. Whether it is the local lactation support group, the local La Leche meeting, it will make all of the difference in the world if you have other moms who are going through the same thing as you that you can bounce ideas off of. As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that total mom sense. Breastfeeding. For some, it's a magical bonding experience. And for others, it's painful and triggering or even non-existent. For some reason, though, speaking to a new mom about breastfeeding has become a loaded conversation. Today, we're going to change that and destigmatize breastfeeding, whether you're in favor or not. I'm happy to share my journey and honest opinions, and I'm excited to bring on thought leaders to share their knowledge to commemorate Breastfeeding Awareness Month all August long. First, I'm joined by Patty Gatter, founder of The Breastfeeding Shop, a family-owned business that supplies mothers who choose to breastfeed with the proper help, guidance, and accessories they need to nourish their babies. Patty is a mother of two boys, a wife to an amazing husband, and a serial entrepreneur. Like most women, she's got multitasking down pat. She comes from a lineage of entrepreneurs and has worked in the healthcare industry for over 15 years. When the Affordable Care Act made it a requirement for insurance to cover breast pumps, Patty jumped at the opportunity to make this an equalizer for all new moms. She combined her love and passion for being a mother and breastfeeding with her entrepreneurial spirit and launched the breastfeeding shop. 
She not only provides top-of-the-line breast pumps like Medela, Spectra, and Willow to expecting moms, the company aids mothers in their breastfeeding journey with consultants available via telehealth 24-7. When Patty was in college, she felt inspired by an article she read in Glamour about a woman who started a business and was able to offer her employees a team working environment that catered to their busy mom schedules. It made an impression on her, and so she did exactly that in her life. Patty, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with another fabulous, amazing person, woman. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, yes. This is going to be a really great talk. So let's start with your motherhood journey. Well, you know, everything changes. When, When I became a mom, everything changed. For me, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Everything revolves around my kids, you know, my I don't know how my husband always feels about that, but <laughs> but I love being a mom. I love breastfeeding and I always loved working too, right? But when I had my kids, this mom guilt came over me and I, it was very difficult to leave them. And even though my mother was watching my oldest son, Scott, and I remember the first day I had to go back to work, I left him at her house and I turned around, went around the corner and I saw him. It was so hard for me to leave him. And I went about my business and worked a couple of years. I got over a little bit of that guilt, but it was never easy for me to miss anything at school because of a a work meeting. You know, I've always been an entrepreneur. And when they were babies, I started these e-commerce shops. I didn't mention that in the bio, but they weren't particularly successful. But I did learn a lot about social media marketing. And once I had my kids, once I was working, just couldn't handle it anymore, my entrepreneurial spirit, I used everything that I learned along the way. And I said, let's test myself and let's open up a business. You know, it was hard because I was financially contributing to my household very much. And to go from what I was bringing in to not knowing if this was going to succeed, but I had a little shop. It was two, 300 square feet. Laura supported me from the very beginning and we're friends to this day. You know, so everything centers around them. I started this business because of them and it's it's thriving and we're all happy and I get to be the mom. I get to go home and be at a school play or whatever they're doing, take them to their activities and have the best of both worlds. So that's wonderful. Tell us about what breastfeeding was like for you. How was that first experience, you know, after delivery? Uh, well, you know, it was I was in a crowded hospital room. Right. And well, it was crowded because the the mom that just gave birth next to me, she had all this family visiting. She was so nice, but it was overwhelming. I heard all this noise. I was trying to get the baby to latch. And I am convinced that Laura was the lactation consultant in that hospital. We st- I'm pretty sure it was her. And I was so overwhelmed. What am I supposed to do here? And yeah. She, she came in the room. She went like that. And, <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh. OK, so I'll tell you that I loved breastfeeding, it was it was easier for me than anything else. And throughout the night, those first few weeks, they're very exhausting. But I, I just remember those days of breastfeeding and learning how to do it as very rewarding for me and comforting and just really bonding. And I really enjoyed it. So I'm a huge fan and proponent. I love supporting women and I love supporting what their personal journey is. But if I can help with you know adding good services like the breast pumps and the lactation, to help moms that maybe are having an overwhelming experience in the beginning, like I did. That's just an amazing thing, rewarding for me. But I love nursing for the night. I remember those 3 a.m. nursing sessions, watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on TV Mm -hmm. land. And it was just great. (laughs) I love those moments. 
That's amazing. Yeah, same. I, I remember nursing while watching reruns of Felicity and um, <laughs> and it just, you could go straight back to that moment in time or months in time. Now I think it's a, it's a good segue to bring on our next guest. It's Laura Steffi and she's the director of telehealth lactation services for the breastfeeding shop. She has such an impressive resume. As a former hospital RN, she's worked in the NICU, labor and delivery, and postpartum, and she knew she wanted to influence her patient's care and became a dual-certified women's health and family nurse practitioner. Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, she's realized just how difficult obtaining lactation care and education are for families who don't want to leave the comfort of their own home. Thus, the birth of lactation telehealth. With over 20 years of nursing experience, many of those spent assisting with lactation journeys, Laura has worked with a myriad of new and growing families in many settings, including the hospital, outpatient clinics, and OBGYN offices. Additionally, she has vast knowledge and expertise in providing lactation care to new and expecting families. As a nurse practitioner, Laura can treat mothers and babies with more complicated clinical breastfeeding challenges. Laura has extensive experience in the physical assessment, diagnosis, and treatment plan management of maternal lactation problems, including low milk supply issues. As a former NICU and nursery nurse, Laura is also passionate about newborn care, especially those with prematurity and jaundice issues. Laura is also the mother of three wonderful children, all who had very different breastfeeding journeys. They taught her the patience she offers each of her patients during a non-rushed, evidence-based, compassionate consultation. Laura enjoys teaching, and perhaps it's her children that taught her to do so. Laura looks forward to being your chosen provider for lactation care and education through the breastfeeding shop. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I love that you you know, have your own journey that you went on uh, through breastfeeding. And now you are helping other moms, you know, navigate the challenges and the triumphs of their own. Absolutely. There are many. I I know from my own personal experience, I've had one of three who was a very challenging breastfeeder and probably actually kind of helped me to get into the profession I'm in today because he was definitely not the best at his job at breastfeeding. And then by my third, I pretty much had a great understanding and was much more successful. So it's amazing how differently it goes from one child to another. Um, And that's one of the reasons I encourage women when I'm seeing them, if they've tried breastfeeding before and it hasn't gone according to plan, to try again, because you just don't know what it holds for the next baby. Right. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I have three children myself and um, I had twins and it's Irish triplets. So when they uh, were 18 months, then I had my third and it just kind of happened in one full swoop. But I want to just share a bit about my journey. I mean, my lactation consultant at the hospital was so helpful. I went to the classes. I mean, I was like hobbling to another part of the the hospital because I had a C-section and knew I wanted to take their lactation class. And then of course had my private kind of consultations in my room. It was really, really helpful. And then I had a private lactation consultant come to my home for months after. Her name is Yosifa Lebeau. Very, very helpful. She just taught me so much. And um, I feel like there was a whole other facet to breastfeeding when you have twins. 
I had the twin Z pillow. It was great because I could do a football hold with both the kids in that pillow and still put my back, you know, all the way back and kind of lean back. And, you know, I, uh, I got on a pretty aggressive pump schedule, which was fine because I wanted to make sure that I could keep up a supply for both. You know, so it was um, a lot of uh, learning and growth through that journey. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And then when I had my third, it was smooth sailing. I was like, I know exactly what to do. You know? <laughs> and you just, you feel so much more confident and, you know, ready for, for it. So I think, especially for a first time mom, having all the information at the onset is really life-changing. I absolutely agree with you. Um, definitely, if you've got a whole lot of information at the fingertips, you've met with a lactation consultant, you've taken classes, you have your notes by by your bedside, you're going to be more successful because you're going into it more confident. And the more confident you are, the more successful the outcomes are. Absolutely. Tell us why a mom should consider breastfeeding. I think there's a ton of benefits. And we know as every as research continues to go on, there's more and more benefits to breastfeeding, not only for baby, but also for mom. So for some instances with baby, there's less likely to have uh, childhood cancer, less likely to have asthma, allergies. A big one is they're less likely to die from sudden infant death syndrome simply because they're breastfed. There's a recent journal article out um, about the increased IQ of babies who are breastfed. So they tend to um, do well for their brain development. And then also for moms, we don't talk a lot about the benefits for moms, but there's a significant decrease in hormonal cancers, such as breast cancer. It's going to delay the onset of her menstrual cycle, where she's eating every two to three hours, so she may not get a period for a few months. So it's naturally spacing out the children. And it also kind of decreases mom's other risks of healthcare problems, such as type 2 diabetes later in life, and even high cholesterol and heart disease later in life, just because she chose to breastfeed. And the benefits seem to increase the longer she breastfeeds for. Wow, that's really, really remarkable. There is a graphic that I'll share on the website and on social media that I found that really gives a good recap, like what you said, of the benefits of breastfeeding. And, you know, it starts with the first few days, right? It's the colostrum. Breast milk is liquid gold, but I would say that's like, platinum. <laughs> There's something in there. So the, the essential nutrition and antibodies that a child receives from those drops of colostrum really set them up for their entire life. And then this, this chart goes on to explain how a child benefits at four to six weeks. Um, they're less likely to develop chest infections. Their respiratory health is benefited from two months through six months. At the nine-month mark, um, breastfeeding can comfort the baby as they experience growth spurts, teething, and the the occasional bumps or bruises. And after a year, a baby is less likely to become overweight later in life and have a lower risk of heart disease as an adult. And babies who are breastfed for around a year also are less likely to need orthodontia or speech therapy. And 12 cumulative months of breastfeeding reduces a mother's risk of breast cancer, as you mentioned. So it's really just incredible that, you know, the the benefits is just like ongoing for mom and baby alike. There's a recent study too, that if mom breastfeeds and keeps that baby skin to skin, um, even if she's not successful at breastfeeding, if she keeps that baby skin to skin during the first couple hours following life, baby's hormone level or, or hormone cortisol level goes down. Sorry. It's the cortisol level that goes down and we're yes. just a of stress. 
So babies are less stressed. They get to stay with their mother doing skin to skin because they know mom's heartbeat. They know mom's stomach gurgle. They know her smell. So to them, that's all soothing. Um, and wow. we are carrying mammals. So when we act like a carrying mammal and hold our baby, <laughs> we are more likely to have a less stressed child. And we know um, responsive parenting leads to more independent children later in life. Yes, yes. Now, I want to talk about a little bit more of a contentious view on breastfeeding. Many women think fed is best, and many think breast is best. So if you both were to answer that, what do you think? And and I'll share my opinions too. From a clinical perspective, breast is best in my opinion. But I think I have lots of friends that just for whatever reason have hangups about it or Whatever the reason is, they don't want to do it. They they think they can't do it. And at the end of the day, you can be a, a great mom and choose to you know not breastfeed. So my job is to support anybody in their in personal endeavors. And I would never want to hold judgment over somebody for not doing something that there were other issues that just were getting in the way. But I you know from a clinical point of view, health wise, you know obviously nursing is is the best thing to do. Yes. Yeah. I I love that you mentioned that because, you know, back in the day when I was born, um, this was in the eighties and my mom, you know, was living in India and immigrated to the States. The marketing around formula was so pervasive (laughs) that they said formula actually is fortified with more vitamins and minerals than breast milk is, you know, and so many families bought it. And I agree with you in that you know, there's no judgment here, but but breast milk has these natural components that you cannot replicate in a powder form. It's it's impossible. It's something that's, you know, made from us, you know, and so there is that. I think that it's important to say that. But as you mentioned that, you know, if a woman chooses not to, then, you know, that's absolutely fine. And um, the point is to nourish our babies. But one thing that, you know, I'm curious about is for someone who can't breastfeed, an alternative to you know buying formula on the market is buying breast milk, yeah. right? So you can you can just buy that. You don't have to. You can just buy liquid gold yeah. elsewhere. Does insurance cover? I think insurance sometimes covers. So when there are special needs, insurance will often cover breast milk if mom is unable to breast milk or provide her own breast milk for the baby. Um, so for instance, when baby is in neonatal intensive care, it's extremely extreme prematurity or other health problems that may cause immunocompromising the baby, it is able, you are able, I should say, to buy breast milk from milk banks. Um, so there's many milk banks around the country. Um, pretty much everybody has one in their state now, if not multiple milk banks. And they sell the milk most of it is donor milk that has been supplied from donors who have gone through testing. Um, that donor milk is then also tested once the milk comes in. It's also then pasteurized. So it may lose a little bit of its perfect contents, um, but it's pasteurized to make sure that it's absolutely safe for baby. And then it's sent out for use in NICUs or to moms who are purchasing the milk to feed to their baby. There is also milk sharing, um, which isn't necessarily a regulated thing, um, but it happens all the time. As a healthcare provider, I'm not about to tell someone to go out and milk share with someone they've never met before because you don't know what they're giving you. There have been cases of people trying to sell breast milk for a price um, and Mm. breast milk, quote unquote, was tested. It wasn't actually breast milk or it was watered down breast milk. Wow. Um, So you have to be cautious. 
obviously, if you're doing any type of milk sharing and you want to make sure that if you're doing any type of milk sharing, it's coming from a person who you know is absolutely healthy and has been tested for disease. And the way to do that is to go through a milk bank. Yes, absolutely. So many resources now. It's unbelievable, you know, versus when when my mother was breastfeeding me, it was it was it was taboo, right? It was like, what are you doing? Why are you not formula feeding? But then now yeah. all the resources available at the hospital level and just the milk banks and the shipping companies that will ship breast milk across the country for you. It's just there's so much more support now, which is a wonderful thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And should a mom choose to supplement with formula or provide formula. Do you have any insights as to one that's the best on the market and, and like the they're all very to breast milk? Yeah, I think they're all very similar when you look at their their calorie contents and everything. Um, I tend to defer back to the pediatrician as far as, you know, if babies having any medical problems like reflux and those type of things, what the pediatrician would recommend for the baby. But in most cases, most of the formula that's being sold over the counter is very similar. Yes, yes. What we found was we really looked into the European brands because they um, definitely are uh, way more strict when it comes to regulations around their FDA. We found hip formula, which was from Sweden, I believe. Yes. And yeah, yes. Yeah. And whole H-O-L-L-E is another one. And we loved it, you know, and I just feel like sometimes it feels like you're kind of taking a chance and buying something from another country, but it's, it's worth it. Even that can, you know, is regulated in a certain way. Yeah. And I, and I feel like the regulations there are much more stringent than they are here in the U.S. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I want to touch on an essay that Melinda Gates had written on breastfeeding and it was for Refinery29 um, a few years ago. And she wrote, it's natural, but it sure ain't easy. She writes, in the scheme of things, I was actually pretty lucky when it came to breastfeeding. I was physically able to, and I had a lot of support. But even so, I was caught off guard by how difficult it was. From my part, I'd more or less imagined that breastfeeding would look like one of those Mary Cassett paintings I've always loved. The ones that show a happily feeding child and a lovingly mesmerized mother, all of it tender, peaceful, and rendered in soft pastels. The reality, of course, was a lot messier. When I think back to my first few days of motherhood, I was overwhelmingly in love with my daughter, but at the same time, I was stunned by how long each feeding took. That tiny precious thing was also an incredibly slow eater. And I sat there wondering, how am I ever going to get on with my life? She goes on to say, a mom has to worry about whether her baby has properly latched, whether her baby is gaining weight whether she's producing enough of that milk that everyone keeps lecturing her is so essential for her baby's survival and success. And there are plenty of people telling her what she's doing wrong or what she should be doing better. And there are fewer who show up to actually help her or who are designing policies with her and her family in mind. That's what's so significant about Patty, the breastfeeding shop, and Laura, Laura, your work, is you two are showing up for mom in a way that really no one else is. So tell us about how you take a woman on that journey and what that first step is. I think from the first step is, is a prenatal visit with us. So we, we tend to do a lot of prenatal visits um, via our telehealth program. And that gives mom a real opportunity to ask questions. A lot of times we've heard horror stories from our breast friends or neighbor or brother or sister, everybody under the sun. And this gives the opportunity for them to just ask questions and say, how realistic is this? Are my nipples really going to hurt? What does that pain feel like? How do I fix it? How do I make sure it doesn't happen in the first place? 
And during that prenatal visit, I tend to draw a very realistic picture that this isn't going to look like a painting. This isn't going to be pretty in the first few days. And actually for the first couple of weeks, it's kind of like a dark cloud may hang over your head a little bit. <laughs> but that cloud eventually lifts and the sun comes out and it becomes this amazing experience yeah. that you've never experienced before in your life when you become a new mom. So if you can hang in there the first couple of weeks and you can learn what is normal and what is not, you are going to be successful at whatever your goal is as far as your breastfeeding journey. But definitely, again, for those first couple cloudy weeks, you need assistance. You need people who are going to show up, like you said, and be helpful. And yes. those people are the lactation consultants. Yeah. Those are the people that are going to show up via the telehealth programs, via the hospital, via your in-person la- in- in-person lactation consults to really provide you the help you need because these are people who have studied lactation. These are people who really care. have it as an expertise and are able to teach you the tools and tricks to be successful. You know, I started the breastfeeding shop because I really wanted to help moms with their individual journey. And these pumps back here, you know, they they all function very similarly, but they have their differences too. So we love talking about breast pumps here. Mm -hmm. Sometimes too much into it when I start dreaming about breast pumps and designing (laughs) my own breast pump, which might be on the the, the, the task list for next year. But during COVID Um, on lockdown, I thought, how can I help these moms? They they need their questions answered. They're overwhelmed. They're stuck at home. So I started Ask a Lactation Consultant, and I would do these Facebook Lives. And they one of my videos, I think it's up to like 600,000 views now. It it really, really took off. But it gave moms an opportunity to ask all the questions that they had. And it just, it took off so well. I thought to myself in my, you know, serial entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mind, you know, how do I get moms to start being educated beforehand, uh, before giving them, because we all know that preparation is, is key to success. So that's why I added this whole division and had the best person I ever could think of to help launch it. It goes so naturally with the breast pumps and getting to the moms, helping them understand and educating them what this is going to look like for them and then just kind of carrying them through their their journey. That's wonderful. So once mom has her consultation, do you help with advocating for her when it comes to her insurance and you know what's covered and how does that work out? Right. So we we handle all of that stuff on our end. So everybody likes things to be easy, especially the millennials, right? And I mm-hmm. I have no patience. I like things to be easy too. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like what we do is, you know, I'm redoing my website, which should be ready, I think, next week finally. Um, mm-hmm. but make it super simple, put a lot of resources on that website. The mom can visit, she can explore the pumps, she can put in her information. We check out her insurance, make sure there's coverage. And luckily under the Affordable Care Act, these things are covered now. It's a it's it's a mandate, which is wonderful. A mom, there are a few exceptions, a few small plans that but we work through all of that for the mom. She doesn't have to worry about it. We verify her insurance, see what she's eligible for. And then um, if she needs us to reach out to her doctor's office to get the prescription, of course, there's always a prescription that's required for the breast pumps, not for the telehealth. And then we work through that and we can even contact, they can call us and we can actually walk through and kind of say, what are your, you know, we talked a little bit the other day about some of these new pumps, these wearable pumps, Mm -hmm. which are really fun, but we really try to get a a feel for what the mom's needs are Yeah, and then help because we want her at the end of the day, we want her. I always tell everyone here at the breastfeeding shop who I'm lucky enough to work with, say, what do we do here? We don't sell breast pumps. We help moms in her in her journey. We're helping moms in the, her individual journey, breastfeeding journey. Yes. So that is 
oh, a new way of thinking rather than just saying, oh, here's a breast pump, you know, have fun. Right, right. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's daunting when you first see a pump as a mom because you never needed to before. And we'll get into that. But could you tell us also about the pricing structure? So when a mom, you know, signs up, does the consultation, meets with you, do you kind of be an intermediary with her insurance? How does your pricing work in? Well, every insurance company pays something different. They have a different, what's called an allowable amount for the breast pump. So depending on what her allowable amount is, which breast pump she's eligible for, you know, there these the wearable pumps are very expensive for me to purchase. So I think some moms, you know, they, so everybody knows that these are very, very expensive and often they cost me and I'm always transparent, but they cost me more than what their insurance company is going to reimburse, but they mm. want them. So a lot of insurance companies will allow us to apply their benefit. And then whatever the difference is, the mom can pay out of pocket. And sometimes she can use her health savings accounts to pay that difference too. So, but a lot of insurance companies fully cover, you know, really good pumps like the Spectra. And, you know, so there is, is coverage at 100%. So the mom has no out of pocket. And that is often the case, especially with sort of your more traditional pumps. That's great. So a mom pays breastfeeding shop for the pump. Yeah, if the pump is fully covered through her insurance, mm-hmm. then we work with the insurance company and we get paid through the insurance. Through the insurance. Okay, so yeah. About it so, yes, that's wonderful. So a mom can come to you and you literally are guiding her through the process at no fee from her. Right. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. That's really, really she wants this crazy expensive pump. Something, that. yeah, exactly. Premium. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And let's get into the pumps because there are so many now and it's really, really, really overwhelming. Um, you know, there's there's also accessories. I want to go through just the the accessories that come with a pump. You need a pumping bra. It's got phalanges, which are the cones that fit to your size. Like, yes, that's that. The connector. And the valve can't lose those valves. Yeah, this yeah. is those this, are so. This is lush. so important. It's, yes, it's, it's a, the most important thing. Yep, with the flap. Thank you, because if a little bit of milk gets on here, it throws off the whole suction of your breast pump. Exactly, it needs to be replaced every exactly. thirty days or gently washed to washed. Yes, yes, exactly. But nobody brings that to anybody. Nobody, yeah, exactly. Every single part has a function. And and I feel like the valves are really the, you know, the linchpin of it all. And then there's backflow protectors. Yep. This prevents any milk to get from getting into the tubing. Okay. Yep. And then there's the pump itself and the tubing. Then you have your milk bottles or your milk bags. Yes, we we Mm. do. We, um... So it's attached to a bottle now. Yeah. Yeah. So the flange is a really important thing as well. And we were just talking about this yesterday, but they all come in different sizes. And this is the measurement that needs to be taken. Most moms will fit in what comes in the box, but sometimes the lactation consultant, you know, afterwards, you know, you've seen some varying size nipples out there because the pump won't work if it's not the proper size. So this, this, this is probably one of the most important features of your pump as well. Yes. And then the idea to fit yourself with a flange um, after you've had the baby and have been breastfeeding for a while to really make right. sure you have the correct size because your nipples do change with breastfeeding. They don't look the same as a non-breastfeeding mom nipples do. Exactly. And I saw that firsthand because, you know, I produced a lot when I had my twins and 
I had to go up a size, you know, within a month and order that. So any of the parts, the phalanges, they can order through you as well, right? Yeah. And, and some insurance companies will pay, will pay for replacement supplies, which mm-hmm. is a nice benefit. And we'll, we'll, we would look into the mom's insurance for that. She doesn't necessarily have to go and buy more accessories. They might, her insurance very well might pay, cover those. Yes. Okay, great. And one thing that I learned was that, as you mentioned, each mom's needs is very different. And it's like, you're breastfeeding, but like, what's the objective? For me, it was to supply enough for my twins. And so I had a very bulky hospital grade pump that I rented, because I just I needed that level of power the freestyle ones that you're like walking around with that just, it wasn't doing it for me. So I knew I would have to just park myself on the sofa or my bed with that hospital grade pump plugged in. But now there are so many on the market that are more lightweight and then the ones that are wearable, which has like, I feel like it's a new phenomenon that's only come about like four or five years ago, which is incredible. So tell us about um, the different styles of pumps and then the brands that a mom should acclimate herself with. I'm going to talk about the brands and stuff. And I'll let, I think it's very interesting, her point of view on the wearable pumps. Um, They're super fun, super cool, and definitely have their place and are very helpful in certain situations, but really not for everybody for some of the reasons that you were discussing. They're wildly popular right now. And I've started doing YouTube videos explaining all of the differences of these pumps. But Spectra is very popular. Medela is a great company. They've been around for a long time. And that big clunky thing, I always ask moms, what color is your pump? And then I can figure out what, yes. what pump if she can't remember. So, you know, nothing beats the Medela Symphony that you probably experienced in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yep, you know, that, that was the one. And it was yellow. <laughs> um, so they're a great company. Spectra has, has really taken the breastfeeding world by storm. You know, they make a couple different pumps and I would say there's the, we've got some, the baby Buddha is really popular now. There's Ooh. a mom online that does a lot of videos about how much milk she can get, which is a whole topic in itself. There's the free me, which is a wearable pump. There's the willow. There's the LV, which is wildly popular right now. And also um, it's kind of a new standard pump, but the motif is a nice line. Also very similar to the spectra, very similar but has some features that might better accommodate certain moms. Sometimes I feel like a mom will call up and if I, I love to jump in and take phone calls and speak with these, these moms. They're so cute and young. And I almost can start confusing myself. <laughs> for her. And I think, Oh, I better, I better zip it because, but Laura, like, what, what are your thoughts on those wearable pumps? Yeah. So when we're, when we're looking at things like the LV and we haven't learned how to pump yet, it's a real struggle for new moms. If you remember correctly, back in the day when you were using the Symphony, um, you had to kind of center your nipple in that clear plastic thing. Yes. And with the LV, that clear plastic thing is hidden inside of you. So oh. now you enter your nipple. And some people will say, well, put it on beforehand and then clip it on, which you can do. But it's not easy to clip it on. Okay. Um, so it and then you clip it on and then you have to adjust it in your And mouth. then you have to adjust it to get it in the right place so that it actually creates suction. Yeah. What a lot of moms find when they use these versus they use the the tabletop pump that we're used to, like the Spectra, the Medela, the Motif, you tend to get a little bit less milk for a lot of moms with these, or they really struggle, especially new moms. They really struggle with these wearable pumps because they just don't know how to line everything up. They yeah. haven't figured out their correct flange size yet, and these really work based on flange size. So the 24 and the 28 flange size come with the LV, 
And if you're not a 24 or a 28, it may not work for you at all. And now you have hundreds of dollars as an upgrade and it may not be the ideal pump for you. These are great. I mean, these certainly have their place if you're going into a meeting and you need to pump right now, you can slip them in and go go do your meeting. Um, I had a former coworker who would even see patients as a physician assistant. No one ever knew because they're so small, especially the LV. It's so small, it fits inside your bra and it's fairly quiet. I mean, I'm sure there was a little bit of noise and they probably thought, what is that? But they would have never known that it wasn't a phone buzzing in her right pocket or something like that so it's right. certainly quiet enough to pull that off but it's not something you want to go around bending over trying to you know pick up the laundry and vacuuming with because it will leak the nice thing about the willow is it tends to not leak as much if you're using the bags but then in the willow you're spending a lot more money because you have to constantly buy more bags for the willow to utilize so it's kind of six of one half dozen of another when you're looking at these two wearable pumps but they're they're great pumps they have their purpose But I think for a brand new mom, just a normal tabletop pump is a good way to get started. And then once you're going back to struggling with finding a place to pump um, where you're by yourself and can have that quiet time alone to kind of really focus on getting your lead down, I think then maybe you look towards getting one of the wearable ones. But initially starting with the tabletop pump, I think is a wiser idea for a brand new mom. Yes. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Um, And, you know, when you're first trying to get your your supply up in those, you know, first few weeks and and months, something that's a little bit more high powered is probably in your favor. Yeah. It depends on how often she's going to be using the pump. Right. Right. Yeah. If she's nursing even better, you know, it's like supplements that. Right. Yeah. Once or twice here and there, those pumps are great. But if it's yeah. something you're going back to work, a full-time job, you're pumping three, four times a day, maybe that's not the ideal pump for you versus well, running a tabletop. I, I spend a lot of my time on the road, and I'm not saying this is anybody should do this, but these would have been perfect for me because I would pump and drive at the same time. Yes. weird cardigan sweater, and I had these bottles and flanges sticking out and... I don't know what truck drivers saw. I have no idea, but don't ever do this at home. But if I had to do it again, these would be great for that. You know, so they have their purpose. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, when I was nursing, if I had my child nursing on the right, on the left, I would put this little pouch to catch the spillover from the Mm -hmm. other side. Mm-hmm. And what I like about the wearable ones is you don't necessarily need the pouch. You could just plug that in, right? Well, you could, but then you're also taking off more milk than just as what's letting down. So oh, right. out, that's going to leak out your regardless. If yeah. you're using a wearable pump, it's physically pumping. So it's taking more milk off. So if, you know, for instance, if you're feeding your daughter on the right and you're leaking on the left, it's a great idea to catch that milk rather than yes. like run all over your shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to save every drop. <laughs> it's going to catch that letdown, but it's also going to keep pumping. So it's going to pump off. Oh, milk. yes. And if your daughter needs to eat on the other side, you've now pumped away that milk. So it kind of takes them away from baby. Right, right. Something like the LV catch or the Haka ladybug might be a better option to stick inside your bra and use as a catch rather than actually pumping. Yes, yes. And another hack is, you know, I used to leak a lot at night. And again, I just, I didn't want to waste it. And even though I had these like soft pumping for our nursing friendly bras, I I just felt like I'm going to wear these little pouches Rather than your the nursing, nursing pads. pads, nursing pads, yes. <laughs> so because it's like, just why not? You know, save that milk too. Um, so, do you have any product for that? We do. We have LV came out with the LV Catch, and mm-hmm. it's it's. I wish you could go uh, grab it, but it's mm-hmm. got it's a very low profile, and it also you can actually well the other one 
the curve. You can, yeah, so the LV patch well. is literally just one that sits inside your bra. So it's just a little curve to it, flat back with an open silicone little round circle that you center your nipple in, and that allows it to just kind of be caught in that LV catch. There is an LV curve that works like a combination of the haka and the catch, where you can actually put some suction on just a little bit. So you actually compress it just a little bit. It's it creates so a little bit of suction and it's drawing off. So it's a passive pump, but it's also okay. having a letdown and maybe taking a little bit more off, depending on if that's something you want to do or not. Um, I want to be cautious with doing that too much because I don't want to create an oversupply, but it's definitely a good option for moms who want to try and catch the milk. Tell us about your newly launched telehealth service and how you help moms that way, where you're literally at the ready for them 24-7. Yeah, I mean, I... We're really excited about that. You know, it keeps us up and we're texting each other, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Did you think about this? But there's a lot of opportunity to help a lot of moms out there with telehealth. And I think that, you know, out of COVID, which is a horrible thing, but this beautiful thing of healthcare, really understanding telehealth and especially moms that just don't want to leave. It's very intimidating. I remember having to take my son back to the hospital for his Billy Rubens were a little high. And I thought, I've got to drive him. But these moms, they've got to go and they're struggling with nursing. So you have a better outcome if you're in the comfort of your own home. You know, it's sort of like these sleep studies, right? I don't actually don't want to talk about that because that might be, but you can do sleep studies at home now. And I think that, you know, these, the results are, the, the outcome is better because you, you, you get a more accurate result from the person being comfortable. And that's not always the case for everybody. So I don't have any business talking about that. So, you know, again, it's sort of the same thing. You know, we, we, we work with doctor's offices, we work with hospitals and word is spreading pretty quickly, um, which is kind of overwhelming for the two of us. We're, we're like, we've, we already need to hire more lactation. <laughs> wow. As um, you know, just a month and a half really into this whole journey because there's such a need for it. So there are resources on the website and it's the same processes with the breast pumps. They go online, they put their information in. The new website will actually have different courses or different visits, visit, visit type. Sort of the same idea, just making it super simple. You know, we don't, there's no prescription that's needed, which is great because the platform is on a HIPAA secure, obviously, website. Mm -hmm. And Laura does the visit, you know, from the iPad or whatever, whatever platform it it works best. And we service moms all over the world, believe it or not. We work a lot with the military and you've done visits in Japan and Germany. Germany. Yeah. So So it's been, it's been really exciting to be able to help these moms, especially our military women who are, you know, overseas, either, you know, being the military wife or being the military themselves. It's so great to be able to give back to them and be able to help them in a time when they're struggling mm-hmm. um, and may not be able to find someone who speaks the same language as them because they're in a foreign country. So they're able to log on and actually be a lactation consultant from back at home. Wow. We're so grateful to you for that, yeah. um, for providing that level of support all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Through the Affordable Care Act. So Affordable Care Act has provided that moms should be given the opportunity to have lactation support. And so these programs are actually being able to be developed because we have the Affordable Care Act um, and because the insurance companies are being supportive of new moms um, based on this federal mandate. And it's fairly new. And I think the insurance companies are learning, especially about the lactation telehealth. They have got the platform for other other visits, but we're it's so new still. So but we help navigate all that information for the for the moms. You know, telehealth is is just going to be moving forward. So I think it's just, it's perfect timing. And I think it's going to 
take over. Well, the breastfeeding shop will take over helping all new moms. <laughs> it'll be, yes. It'll be a comic book. We're helping everybody. <laughs> yes. I love it. You're helping children. You're helping families. Yeah. All of us thrive because of the work that you're doing. Yeah, no, that's, that's really great. And I think, you know, telehealth just simplifies everyone's life. I feel like, you know, mom doesn't have to feel inconvenienced to go to a clinic, um, nor does the lactation consultant have to be on the road all day going from client to client. Everybody's in the comfort of their own home and they're doing everything through video. And, you know, very fulfilling for me is we also get to provide opportunities for lactation consultants, Mm -hmm. which is is great. And, you know, Laura and I have a lot of ideas and sometimes too many, quite frankly, I've met (laughs) so much like me. It's unbelievable. But, um, you know, the postpartum is is a big issue as well, postpartum depression. So, you know, as we get going here, you know, our goal is to not stop at, at, but is to just start everything from, you know, see it through and address all the needs and concerns. So, you know, next year we'll be, you know, moving, you know, kind of adding some other telehealth like um, psychiatrists and different things like that, just to kind of come full circle to really help these moms. The way it's we to focus a lot on moms when they're pregnant, like yeah, they're, right. they're novel, they're pregnant, but then when they have the baby, we don't pay very close attention to those moms. Like right. Coming from someone who worked in an OBGYN office for years, we'll see you back six weeks after you have the baby. Well, what happens in six weeks? You've got mm-hmm. you know, being well-established or you've given up by then because nothing quite worked the way you thought it was going to. You may have had some postpartum blues where you were teary the first few weeks and didn't know was that normal was that not I mean I know personally I cried it's the dumbest thing I know oh, absolutely. Poor, poor oh my god so and hysterically crying yes. yes 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 I don't know why I'm crying <laughs> So, and nobody knows how to navigate that. So nobody knows yeah. in the next couple of weeks that, that, that the dark cloud is going to lift and again, the sun's going to come out for the majority of moms. But there are those handful of moms where that sun doesn't always come back out and they feel very overwhelmed emotionally. And a lot of it's hormonal. Um, and if right. we can help them not only with their physical aspect of their health and breastfeeding, but if we can help them with their mental health sector too, we've really come full circle for them. And we've been able to then help that entire family unit. Yeah adjust to new motherhood and new parenthood. Yes. Now I want to do, you know, a Q&A on all things uh, breastfeeding. And I'm so glad that we get to hear insights from both of you. Patty as um, CEO and founder of the Breastfeeding Shop and Laura as, you know, head lactation consultant. So what are your top tips for breastfeeding? I know it's hard to hone in, but if you had, let's say three tips, what would they be? My top three tips would be the first one is give yourself grace. You're not going to get it the first time. You have to have a learning curve. Baby has a learning curve. No one is just born knowing how to do this. So give yourself some grace. Give yourself some time and ask lots of questions. Prepare yourself for the big day. We spend an awful lot of time preparing for childbirth. The majority of women take at least an eight-hour class on childbirth preparation. And realistically, they're in labor 12 to 14 hours. You're going to rest probably for a year or more. So get yourself that prenatal education, give yourself some time, give yourself some grace and ask lots of questions. My second word of advice would be don't lean front when you're breastfeeding. Every new mom, when they're feeding their baby, tends to lean front. Yes. Backache, it gives you a backache. And it also lets your baby feel like they're falling. Yeah. Like it's falling, they're going to yes. use their startle reflex, which then forces them to pull back even more. And now they're sucking on the tip of the nipple. They're right. sucking on the tip of the nipple. It's causing trauma. 
And my third word of advice is find medical providers who are supportive of your breastfeeding and your feeding journey. The medical providers in your life, whether it's the lactation consultants, your doula, your OBGYN, your pediatrician, they will be the people to support you through all of this. And if you find the right people and you put the right people in place, you're off to a great start. Once you have the right medical providers, get yourself a group of friends. Whether it is the local lactation support group, the local La Leche meeting, it will make all of the difference in the world if you have other moms who are going through the same thing as you that you can bounce ideas off of. Absolutely. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. And the La Leche League, I'm so glad you mentioned because, you know, La Leche is a national organization and you can find a, you know, chapter that meets in your area. And, you know, even if you wanted to do virtual or a Facebook group, you kind of have that support system built in. Yeah, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as women to mm-hmm. know what to do. It's okay if you don't just get some help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think most no. of the prenatal visits start with mom saying, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> That's okay. That's what we're here for is to teach you and to help you and to guide you. Right, right. With breastfeeding, the reason why pumps exist is, you know, to kind of give you a break. You get to kind of release the milk in another way because we're not constantly latched to our babies as many mothers were in years past. And so can you explain how you can kind of plug in a nursing and a pumping routine when you're a new mom? So for the majority of new moms who are singleton new moms, I think it's a good idea to take, you know, three weeks or so and really get off to a good start with breastfeeding. Make sure you've kind of figured out how to get that good latch in. Um, And as long as everything's going well, I would slowly breastfeed for a few weeks. Then starting at like three to four weeks, it's a great idea to start pumping. Get to know your pump. Majority of women are going back wearing 12 weeks to work if they're going back to work. So four weeks is a good time to get to know that pump. Pump once a day, put it in the bottle and start feeding that baby a bottle, be a paste bottle feeding. That gives the baby time to learn how to give, get a bottle. It gives mm-hmm. dad a chance to get involved too, or the partner to get involved. So I think that's another huge benefit. And in turn, you get little breaks here and there. So yes, a benefit. And then if you want to create some stores of milk, you could pump maybe after the first morning feeding. So feed baby on both breasts, put that pump on for 10 to 15 minutes. What you get, you get. You don't necessarily get upset about it. Just put it in the refrigerator. You're not going to get a ton because baby's fed already. But do that same thing every morning after the first morning feeding. And eventually you'll have two to four ounces of cold milk in the fridge that you can dump together and start creating your little freezer stash. That being said, a lot of moms set up some unrealistic expectations for themselves. They don't need a huge chest full of milk. They need a little bit of milk to get started. And as long as they're getting started with a little bit of milk um, for that first day or two, they're back at work. Pretty much what they pump today, they're then going to use tomorrow because they're going to use their fresh milk first and then kind of go into their freezer stash from there. Yes, yes, that makes sense. You mentioned latch, and I think that's so, so important. How does a baby latch and how do you kind of guide a baby to have a good latch? So the best way to guide a baby to have a good latch is position the nose to the nipple. When we actually latch, most women tend to think they want to put the nipple onto the bottom of the breast line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most people think they want to put the nipple straight into the baby's mouth. We call that the readying fire technique and it doesn't work very well. No. So 
you touch right here under the baby's nose, almost in that little bridge, which almost looks like it's meant to have a nipple place there. <laughs> yes, it's perfect. Start right there. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure we were evolved for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the, the chin's going to come into the breast first. When the chin hits the breast first, baby's going to open nice and wide. When baby open nice and wide, you bring the upper lip up and over the nipple. And that gets you a good asymmetric latch with that nipple pointing up towards baby's soft palate where it's going to be nice and comfy when it bumps into the soft palate because there's nothing hard there. There's nothing that's compressing it, nothing that's causing any nipple trauma. Yes. That's the way to get a nice deep latch and also lean back. Don't lean front because again, that makes baby travel down to the tip of that nipple. Use gravity to your advantage. Right, right. No, absolutely. What I was really intrigued by is that we have milk duds that extend all the way to our armpits. The whole idea is for the child to be able to kind of suck from all of those ducts. And so if they have just their nipple, your nipple in their mouth, they're not going to get as much, you know? And so you want their lips around your whole, you know, as much of your boob as possible. You can get as much areola in the mouth as possible. Now for some women, that's unrealistic, depending on how big the areola is. Yes. You can get as much in the mouth as possible. You do well. Exactly. So interesting. And then the gravity bit, when I would feed at night and it's three in the morning and, you know, I'm exhausted, like lying down on your side feeding, oh, the best. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, especially if you're kind of co-sleeping. Mm-hmm. With your newborn at that point, where you're laying back and just laying the baby. In yes, yes, and exactly. And it works and it's counterintuitive. You think, is the milk going to come out this way? Because I'm leaning back or I'm on my side. But nope, they, they will be able to get what they need and kind of extract what they need, which is really cool. So I remember seeing YouTube videos of women saying, I have hundreds of ounces in the freezer almost bragging about it. Um, I know a lot of moms go through this where we second guess ourselves saying, you know, I have my stash in the fridge. I haven't made it to the freezer. You know, I don't have enough for the freezer. Does that mean I'm not producing enough? But in fact, having such an oversupply is not a good thing, right? Absolutely not. No. Um, Again, first of all, all of these videos that we're seeing on YouTube and, and Facebook where these moms have these giant chest freezers full of milk, are just setting up unrealistic expectations for moms. Moms are realistically supposed to make pretty much just what their baby needs. And yes. Not much more. So if you kind of keep that in your back of your head, it makes a lot more sense. So if your baby's gaining weight well off of what they're feeding from you, you're being successful at breastfeeding. You don't need a chest full of milk to be successful at breastfeeding. Because if you have a chest full of milk, we don't even know that that milk has the same quality and same fat content and same calorie content as a mom who's making just enough milk for her baby. So right. And then they might be getting it six months later. So then, you know, whatever vitamins are in there might be depleted because it was in the freezer that long. Well, so as much fresh is better. Fresh is better because it still has live antibodies in it. Where right. In the freezer, some of that's actually getting killed off. So if we can use the fresh, that's much better than going yeah. into the freezer stash. So, and also oversupply can cause all kinds of other issues, including plug ducts, mastitis, because you have a harder time when you have an oversupply keeping your breasts as empty as they need to be. Um, There's never such thing as a true empty breast, but you need to keep them fairly empty for that milk supply to keep being made. And if milk stasis occurs where that milk lays in there too long, it can cause a plugged duct, it can cause mastitis and all kinds of other things that moms really don't want to get into. Right, right. How would a mom kind of realize that they may have mastitis? 
So mastitis is typically caused from milk stasis where a duct gets plugged because it hasn't been emptied as often. So times where this happens is a lot of times when we first go back to work. That's when mine happened when I first went back to work. Or if we go away for a weekend and we leave the baby behind and we're used to feeding at the breast and now we're mainly pumping, the pump may not empty as well as the breast or as well as the baby does, I'm sorry. And in turn, we end up with that milk laying in there, which can then cause some issues inside of our breast. When that happens, a plugged duct occurs. So we end up feeling this kind of painful spot. It usually kind of feels like a hard pee in there um, and maybe a little red around it but you typically don't have a fever. So the plug duct you can usually resolve on your own with some vibration, um, some heat to the area. If you massage up into the armpit, you're actually working the lymph nodes in your armpit to help pull away some of that inflammation. And like I said, vibration, the back of the toothbrush works great. And then, like I said, the massage is super helpful. And then also keeping the breast as empty as possible. When we keep that breast as empty as possible and start with the problem breast each time when we're feeding, we're more likely to pull out that plug duct. If the plug duct is left to sit there a few days, though, you may end up developing a fever, flu-like symptoms, hot and body ache, hot red area on the breast, and you just feel like a truck ran over you. Like, oh, I had yeah. no idea. I thought I was getting the flu the first time I had mastitis, and that's what most people think, like something's wrong, and in turn, it ends up actually being this infection of the breast. Once you get to the infection of the breast part and you have a fever and everything, it's time to call the OBGYN because you need some antibiotics. Plus, you need to do everything that you were doing to help empty that plug duct. Mm-hmm. Vibration. It's it's interesting. I had it twice, and my breasts are getting really hot and red. I thought, oh Jesus, this is. But the second time, it didn't get to that point. But I did all the things that you said, mm-hmm. and I could feel it release. It was just a really interesting feeling. And a lot of women yeah. stop, and they don't even realize like this is what's going on, so they don't seek help, and it can actually create right. abscess in the breast, which then ends up hospitalized and having all kinds of other issues. Yes, yes, yeah. We definitely want to nip it in the bud. What about um, remedies for cracked nipples and, you know, that kind of thing? I know there's some bombs and organic ones. You're the problem latch because if you yes. have cracked nipples, they're bloody, they're bleeding, they're cracked. Chances are something's happening with that, with that latch. Yeah. You may not be able to get a deep latch due to anatomic reasons. Maybe there's a tongue tie or a lip tie like we were talking about earlier. Or perhaps mom's just not getting a really deep latch. Maybe mom's leaning front and not using gravity to her advantage. So first we need to fix the latch. And then the next easiest thing is some warm salt water soaks. A teaspoon of salt and a cup of water. Put it in two shot glasses because you're not using the shot glasses for much else anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Warm salt water soaks are an easy cure for sore nipples. And then investing in some of the nipple bombs like Earth Mama Angel Baby or Mother yes. Love. Those are super good nipple bombs, mostly olive oil or coconut oil based. So they're natural and they're fine for baby. You don't need a lot, just a little bit, mm-hmm. pea size amount. And it does really yeah. make a difference. And if they get too out of control, then it's time to see a provider. Then it's time to see someone because there are prescription ointments that can be ordered to really cure those nipples. Okay, great. Um, and you mentioned tongue tie. So explain what that is and how a mom can identify if their baby has one. It's hard for a mom. Um, Dr. Gahari is actually an ENT um, who has some great videos for moms about how to identify a tongue tie um, when they're looking underneath the tongue. And he's done a lot of research on the topic and how it affects breastfeeding. And when the tongue is not moving effectively, that's when we consider it a potential tongue tie. So our tongue is kind of meant to move in like a peristaltic movement to really pull that breast in and kind of massage the breast to get the milk to come out. And when that's not happening, Um, In the event of tongue tie, the tongue's just not moving effectively. Baby oftentimes uses more like their lips to kind of suck from the breast like a straw rather than using the tongue to get the milk to come out. 
So again, it's a provider that needs to assess for the tongue tie, um, be it a pediatrician, not every pediatrician's worse than tongue tie, but pediatrician, an ear, nose, and throat doctor, a pediatric dentist. Um, there's tons of support groups online. If you think your child has a tongue tie, it'll tell you who the local provider is that is the expert in the subject. But you want to find the, the most well-known expert that deals with breastfeeding and tongue ties and have them take a look. Is, is there a visual yes. cue that, that might be going on as well? So there are visual cues. Good thought, Patty. So when baby's mm-hmm. being at the breast, sometimes you'll see a compression line across the nipple where they're really pinching the nipple. Sometimes, too, when you look at the nipple, when baby comes off, the bottom of the nipple will almost look like a lipstick shape where it's angled a little bit. Um, And instead of it being a normal nipple after a feeding should be perfectly round and elongated. Mm. So if it looks different than that, then again, we want to assess the baby for some oral restrictions. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. And then to remedy it, because I have an experience here is they, they just kind of snip the frenulum, which is right. What's right underneath the tongue. Yeah. So there's a frenulum underneath the tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that when it's tethered too far front is either snipped or lasered. Um, and right, it's on the provider's preference, but they either snip it or laser it. Um, and then usually they'll teach you some sucking exercises to help baby learn how to suck better. Because for the most part, baby doesn't know how to move that tongue appropriately because it's never moved the way it's supposed to from birth. Mm-hmm. Yes, good times relaxation. Yes, this is where yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And then if you'd identify it, believe me afterwards the breastfeeding gets that much easier because now your baby's not having as much trouble and so then you'll notice that your supply increases their intake increases all of that yeah all of that everybody's happy and even if Mm -hmm. sometimes moms who have a baby with a tongue tie have a bit of an oversupply so they're able the baby's able to get what they need but if mom's in a lot of pain that is still reason to fix a tongue tie I, i really get upset with physicians who say well baby's growing well you don't need to do anything but if mom's struggling to do that feeding and is in tears at every feeding because it hurts, it really is reason to do something. And there are yes. interim effects of tongue tie. And there's lots of great books out there. There's one by Dr. Baxter on tongue tie. So there's lots of great books on the subject. So if you even suspect it, they definitely say, look into it. Yes, 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 yes. Do you know about a way to track how much uh, breast milk a baby's getting? Because we know the pumped milk, we see the ounces on the bottle. So um, for the majority yeah. of women, you're not going to necessarily need to track how much milk the baby's getting. And for some women, especially if they've got a little postpartum anxiety, it can become almost an obsession where they want to track their baby's weight with every feeding to see how much baby's gaining. There is ways with a lactation consultant that you can definitely find out how much your baby is taking in. So what we typically do is change baby's diaper, put a fresh diaper on baby, feed the baby both breasts. We do not change the diaper. And then we weigh again afterwards to see Mm -hmm. how many grams the baby's increased. One gram of increase is approximately one milliliter of transfer. So it does give us the opportunity, as long as you have a very accurate scale, which a lot of your baby scales are not that you buy cheaply. As long as you have an accurate scale, you're getting a good idea of how much you take your baby's getting at a feeding. But there's no right or wrong with that. Babies can take two ounces, they can take four ounces, they can take five ounces. And at different points of the day, baby may take more milk than others. So we know about on average what they need to take to grow per day based on their age. But again, there's no right or wrong answer for each feeding. And they'll yes. when they're done. Yeah. But they, they always let you know when they're done. <laughs> right, right, right. They, they pop off. off. They <laughs> pop right off. It's yeah. like the best, sure. 
little click and done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In most cases, your baby went to the breast, they're really tight and taut, and they have their fists up by their face, and they're eating. And then as they're feeding, you can almost see their hands open up, their arms fall down, and they become almost milk drunk in appearance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> satisfied. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There is a tracker that I discovered later called MomSense, ironically. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's a baby breastfeeding monitor, which ha- like there, there's these stickers that are like nodes that you could put on um, and then it connects to an app. I don't know how effective it is, but but I think the scale is way more accurate. <laughs> it, it's just foolproof um, yeah. if you wanted to do that. But like yeah. you said, yeah, you don't even or have to. Mom, that may not be the, the ideal thing <laughs> yeah. for her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Let's see. How do you deal with colic? So how do you deal with colic is finding the root cause of colic. Um, The majority of babies are not meant to be a colicky baby. So there may be reasons for colic that in the past we didn't necessarily recognize and kind of blamed it on this, you know, neutral term of colic. Now we know it may be some gastroesophageal reflux that's happening with the baby, or it can be a milk intolerance. If mom's taking in a lot of dairy products in her diet, baby may not be able to tolerate that milk protein very well, and they may have a little bit of a milk intolerance. Um, So colic is now something that we look further into and kind of really digest what's happening here. Um, Another reason that we can see colicky babies, and I had this discussion with someone this morning, is a colicky baby sometimes presents as, I don't get enough to eat. Um, Mm. So I eat and I'm not satisfied. So I'm not satisfied. So I cry because I'm hungry and I just keep going back to the breast because I'm incessantly hungry because mom's not making enough milk. So that's another thing is getting a weight check, just making sure that baby's gaining well. Um, And even in some oversupplies, you can have a colicky baby. And if you manage the oversupply, you end up with a happier baby. So there's so many reasons for colic as a general term. Um, Right. They want to take a good look at baby and kind of assess what the causation is. That's great. Can you share any galactagogues? And that's, it's like a GRE word, but that just is uh, uh, something that helps with producing milk. So do you have any galactagogues that you recommend for Um, breastfeeding? I tell parents to eat a good, healthy diet. You need an extra 500 calories a day with lactation to increase your milk supply. Um, You only need 300 calories extra per day when you're pregnant to eat 500 calories in lactation. Mm. Um, there are certainly things that may increase your milk supply and from person to person it varies um some ones that mom moms will say is oats others will say a body armor or a gatorade each day and some will even go as far as to tell me what color it is <laughs> um, but in the grand scheme of things if you're increasing your calories and you're increasing your hydration, you often make more milk um some people will say they drank a beer for taking yeah. Um, so the yeast, yeah. And the yeast actually increase their milk supply. What we do know with alcohol is it may actually inhibit your letdown reflex. So while it might increase your supply, it may inhibit letdown, which can't get the milk out, and you end up with other problems. So, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Um, some people will turn to capsules and things. I say before you turn to taking any of the over the counter capsules like Malenge and Fenugreek, meet with a lactation consultant because yeah. you yes. may be able to find ways to naturally increase your supply without any of the side effects of some of these um, herbal supplements. So start there. And then there may be times where we do recommend herbal supplements to help boost that supply. Yes. Yeah. I would never go go and seek those out yourself, you know, because it seems natural and all that stuff, but there are some side effects to those things. So I would definitely consult with 
a lactation consultant or physician first. So, because we, we used to sell them in my store here, mm-hmm. and we always make sure that they, they, they've gotten, they told, yeah, they were told to get, get it. Yeah. And it's, yes. I mean, for some women, then you read will be, uh, will be very upsetting to their stomachs and even kind of make baby a little cranky. Right. And then you Greek also will actually decrease their supply and they'll have the opposite effect. So, and then you is one that's marketed a lot to moms. So I'm very super cautious to tell them to ever take any capsules without working first on extra stimulation to increase their milk supply. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then it can change even like the flavor of the milk. So you never know if um, baby is going to repel you because you're taking all that. Yeah. Um, one thing that did help for me, which my lactation consultant approved was we did do the Malange tablets and um, I drank a lot of tea with fennel, which I loved. And um, I like had oats every day with flaxseed. I think it's so important to get kind of superfoods in there. And then I made lactation cookies with brewer's yeast which is like that secret in- ingredient. So that's the yeast without the alcohol, <laughs> if you want it. And then I also would buy these bars from Mrs. Patel's. Um, it was bars and like a chai um, that I had that I absolutely loved. And I was like sipping on that all the time. And I would eat lentils at night. And I was told that I guess like foods that are a little bit more liquidy and soupy would help. I don't know if it's just old wives tales or not, but I noticed a difference, you know, so yeah, you, you never know. I mean, for some of these, you know, old wives tale, um, mm-hmm. blogs, they really do work. Yeah. Um, some of it is, if you believe it's going to work, it's going to work. It's um, right. But in all honesty, if it's something natural and something easy to do, why not try it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Another cool thing I wanted to ask was about how breast milk composition changes when baby's ill which is just incredible to see. Like I remember looking at the fridge and seeing, you know, how one bottle of milk when, when, you know, my child had a cold was like yellower and like different in color, you know, almost like it was uh, like colostrum. Yes. Yes. That's what, so it was more fortified with the vitamins, right? Well, um, it's more fortified with antibodies because exactly, exactly. Some of that saliva from the baby actually can make it into your breast when you're feeding directly at the breast. So added benefits of feeding at the breast makes it back into that breast. And that tells the breast to kind of what to boost the antibodies against. So when baby's sick, your breast knows it and it can actually change the composition. And like you said, oftentimes when you're pumping the milk and looking at it, you physically see that the milk looks more like colostrum. Yes. Yes. Amazing. It's so yeah. cool. It's, I mean... We're miracles. Yeah, 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 really. <laughs> we're walking miracles. It's just you know, the what we can do, what we're capable of, and what happens so naturally is just like really remarkable. Yeah. Uh, I guess one other misconception I wanted you to clear up is, you know, how much a baby's intake should be. Would you say um, it corresponds to their age? So, like one ounce at one month six ounces at six months like tell us what the real thing is so it actually correlates to how much time baby hasn't spent at the breast so a baby typically takes about an ounce to an ounce and a half for every hour they haven't been at the breast and interestingly somewhere around four weeks we max out making about 19 to 30 ounces of milk a day and while the baby during a growth spurt can kind of increase that a hue they're not increasing a ton from there because our breast milk is changing to meet the caloric needs of the baby. So with formula, we just need to keep giving more and more formula as baby gets older. With our breast milk, it's changing and we don't necessarily need to give a ton more breast milk. 
because our breast milk knows how old that baby is. Yes, yes. That's what's so interesting is that it's the less, less breast milk is fine when you have like, you know, a 10 month old. It's, you can't compare it, but like if you were to compare skim to like, full fat milk or like cream, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's the same amount, but then one, you know, has more in it. And that's what the baby needs at that age. Very cool. And then breast milk is a panacea and I know it can be used for other things, you know, that baby's facing. So do you have any other hacks for that? So lots of women will put it on rashes. They will put it on eye infections and there's live antibodies in there. So it may actually take care of some of those infections. Now, obviously, we don't want to depend 100% on our breast milk curing everything, but it's definitely worth giving it a try. Um, you'll even find moms who, during the whole COVID infection, were expressing some of the breast milk and giving it to their older children to try and help get some antibodies to them if they had gotten the vaccine. So it's so cool when you think yeah. about it, what our breast milk can do to protect our children. So I, I wouldn't yes. recommend baking with it. <laughs> I had a mom come into the shop a few years ago and she said I'm making so much milk I I started baking with it and I gave it to my husband and let him eat the cookies and I was like oh oh wow you should have said something first yeah (laughs) Yeah. that is interesting it's like All right. Um, so now tell us a mom sense moment that you both have had where you trusted your built-in sixth sense, that intuition that never steers us wrong. For me, it was starting my company. You know, for all the, it really, that's the biggest thing I've ever, I was overwhelmed. And I said, I've got to do something. And my instincts were telling me, make a change. And I can't go on leaving my kid like this. So that was just a huge moment in my life that has changed my future dramatically and and, and, and on many levels. So that was pure, that was mom sense for me. And you're helping so many other moms thanks to that, you know, instinct of yours. It's in my core, it's my foundation. And I think a lot of women like helping other women too. It's, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. You know, we, we, you know, when you're young, you know, you, you, you've got friends and all sorts of things and you go through your, your, your momhood journey, but you know, as a woman, we love, I love helping other women, especially. I love men and I've got two boys and I love helping them, but there's something so fulfilling about helping another woman in, in whatever gets her to the point that she needs in life. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And Laura, what about you? I think for me, it was when I, when I gave birth to my son and I really struggled with breastfeeding. So he's, he now just turned 16 a few weeks ago. So I really, really struggled trying to breastfeed him at the beginning. And I was like, I need to know more. I took classes that I didn't do well in those classes, apparently, because I didn't know how to make this better. And because of, I was at a labor and delivery NICU nurse, everyone thought I knew what I was doing, but it doesn't necessarily make sure that you know what you're doing. Um, so that that moment, I decided I was going to work in this lactation career, and I was going to figure out how to help other moms so that no yeah. one else had yeah. to feel this way, so that everyone would get the help that they needed. And I think in turn, my next two babies were pretty good breastfeeders too, because I had the knowledge to succeed, and I would be able to share that knowledge with all the other moms to make them to be more successful. Also, that's wonderful. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Uh, is there a quote that you both live by? Well, I, I, you can go first. <laughs> you can say it. Yours. <laughs> she thought she could, so she did, and she did. So I, I love that. You know, you, you think that you can do something and do it because yeah. you can. You absolutely can. 
is when you tell yourself you can't. And that goes with so many in so many different areas of your life. So many yes. different you can just really live by that. So yeah. When I when I was in nurse practitioner school for my women's health nurse practitioner, we all lived by that quote. Like we all had it on bookmarks and we still to this day all have those same bookmarks because we were all women going through a women's health degree. And what what a better thing to say to each other. It's because we're yeah. women, we can do this. Yeah. Get rid of the self-doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 So, and and I really do believe empowered women empower women. And so we really are in it together. And, you know, you are just a testament to that. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. There's Mom Hall section. So is there a product that you are um, loving right now? And it could be, you know, beauty, wellness, lifestyle, just mom to mom, something that you're enjoying. Oh gosh, so many products. You know, but I have two little boys and I joke about that, but it's really hard to find really unique clothing for them. And they don't yes. like food shopping. So everybody yep. out there, I'm going to plug Stitch Fix. They have great boys clothing and it's inexpensive and it fits perfectly every time. So I told, I tell a lot of moms, I'm like, Stitch Fix, are you kidding me? I didn't know they had it for boys. So every month we get this really great outfits and don't have to worry about shopping. So that's perfect. Oh my gosh. Anything to make our lives easier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about you, Laura? I think for me, because I spend the majority of my days helping new moms, I think one of them is the the Lilu um, pumping bra. Yes, yes. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> these are insider tips. Bra is like one of the most exciting things I've ever seen. The Lilu. Yeah. yeah. So we know that if mom's doing hands-on pumping where she's massaging her breast during a pumping session, she's going to make approximately 40% more milk. If we can take the work out of our hands and give our, free up our hands, because heaven knows we're moms, we need to do 20 things at once. If we can free up our hands, put that bra on, get the massage, get the added benefit of making more milk, why not? Exactly. Yeah. It was just like such a pivotal invention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's an amazing business owner too. Really oh, nice. wow. Yeah. So, and we're going to be featuring that on our website too and doing some work with her as well, because that's an incredible product. Yep. That's exciting. And where can uh, my listeners find you? The breastfeedingshop.com. And we're on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Toying with TikTok, but I don't know. <laughs> me. But yeah, it's the breastfeedingshop.com. And again, what we're doing also, we're starting to do new video, new reviews, just to really explain you know, what all, because a lot of moms, they don't want to call, you know, they just want to sit there and watch a video. And I, and I started doing that myself. So really putting a lot into YouTube just um, because it's got that visual component. So we're, we're all over online. So, and then also the, anybody can always call us as well. We're here. We've got a, a live team. I hate when I call a business and you can't get anybody live. You've got, yeah. five, it's really infuriating. So I make sure we can you know, take live phone calls as well. And we're not That's hard great. to get to. All of them who answer the phone know how to reach us. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is wonderful. It's so great to be able to have this chat with you. And thank you so much for helping all um, expectant moms, hopeful moms, moms who are in the thick of it right now with their breastfeeding journey. You are doing all of us such a solid. And the fact that you're providing us support around the clock is really revolutionary. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been amazing. And I know we're going to talk a lot in the future. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I know we unpacked a lot on breastfeeding, how to get started, lactation issues, and more. 
I want to personally thank Patty and Laura for your time and your expertise. Both of you are an absolute joy, and it really felt like you were opening up your heart and being in our corner, because those moms who are listening today especially those who have a baby at home, wanted to hear from you. And they're gaining so much from your sage advice and your support through the breastfeeding shop. Tune into the remainder of this three-part series wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Good Pods, and more. Follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chada Gupta. And write to me at that's total mom sense at gmail.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's total mom sense.